pray for us. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. And I thank you for everyone that is here today, Father. And we know that it is not by chance or by circumstance, but that it is by your divine appointment, Father. And so I pray, Father, as we gather together, just as family coming in, Father, to hear your word, that we would be uh, focused, Father, that we would put aside the cares of this world, whatever we might be carrying, Father, and that we would um, just come expecting this morning and to receive what it is that you have for us, Father, and we just offer ourselves as a sacrifice and uh, that we would be attentive and be open, Father, and we just thank you that you are Lord of all, regardless of what may be going on around us, Father, and so... Um, Father, we just thank you for the privilege that not everyone has to come together and meet openly like this. And may we never take it for granted, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was just a shepherd boy, without a shield, without a sword, fed up with the giant's force. Screaming curses to the Lord. Now I walk down the hill alone with a pocket full of river stones. But what the Philistine couldn't see is what I had was more than me. See, on my own, I'm weak, but my God fights for me. in his crazy dreams I won't worship mortal men so they threw me in the lion's den vicious teeth were all I saw till something came and shut their jaws you couldn't find a scratch on me in fact that night I fell asleep when morning came and shocked them all cause my Giant in your way. I 
Are you trapped in Kiggy Arms? Or are you staring down a lion's mouth?
to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Pray, God, that we would respond as we need to. Each of us are all at a different place. But, Father, your desire is that we would grow and mature and to know you, Father. So we thank you, God, for your truth. For your word says it's your truth that sets us free. May we know, Father, God, that you begin a good work in us, God, and that you are faithful to us, Lord. 
pray, God, that we would fix our eyes upon you and not the temporal things of this world, but that, God, that we would fully surrender our lives to you because there is work to be done. Father, the world is growing darker and darker. And Father, the church, your bride, is to be growing brighter and brighter. So, Father, we thank you again for this day. We ask, oh God, that, um, Father, that you would encourage each one of us that your will would be done, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to try to get through this morning. It's my first time really being up out of bed um, in a while. Um, and when I have gotten up out of bed, I didn't last long, but I think I'll be fine this morning. So Psalm 34 is where we're heading. We'll pick up, hopefully next week or the week after, back in our series of walking through the Bible. This morning, I kind of want to encourage us in our faith. If we're sitting here today and we're calling ourselves believers, then I'm hoping that this will be encouraging to you. If you're sitting here today and you're not a believer, that's still my hope for you. That you would be encouraged to turn to the Lord, to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because there is such freedom that, that we find in Christ. Not living for ourselves any longer, but living for Him. We opened up this year. 2018, and I encouraged you from this psalm, Psalm 34, verse 14. And I want to continue to encourage you every time we meet to see how you're doing with this verse. So listen to this verse. Turn away from evil and do good. So listen to that. Turn away from evil and do good. I want you to think about your week. I want you to think about the past couple weeks that we haven't been together. I want you to think about your morning. Are you turning away from evil? And are you doing good? It's important. It's a question you have to ask yourself. See, the reality of Christ is that he, he desires us to be transparent before him and then transparent before each other. So many times in, in churches... We gather together and, and then we put on a facade that everything is good. In reality, it's not. Because when you leave church, you go right back to evil. And that's not how a Christian ought to be living. That's not how the church ought to be living. We're to turn from evil and do good. So in order to have the fullness of who Christ is and the, the power that he allows us to experience through his salvation is to be transparent first before God. Because God loves us, you all. If you know anything of Scripture, you know that. That God is love. And we also understand that just as He's a God of love, He's a God of judgment. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever will believe in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. And that belief is more than a head knowledge. That belief transforms your life. Your life changes. doesn't mean you're perfect. But what it means is that you're growing, that you're maturing. Because the Word of God says that you are a new creation. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a new creation. You're living differently than how you lived before you came to Christ. Because how weird would it be is to accept Christ and still remain the same? 
Because then basically you're, we're making him out to be a liar. And I'm reminded of this because as I've been sick for almost two months now, I've always told you as I've battled different illnesses and I've gone through ups and downs with my health, that I use those times when I'm down to really seek the Lord. There are times in the midst of it that I want to grow discouraged and be like, God, but I always battle through it and say, God, there has to be something you're showing me through this. That sickness doesn't define me, you define me. And he reminded me of this journal that I began years ago, 20 some odd years ago. When I got off the couch the day I was going to commit suicide, and I had the pills in my hands. I wasn't a Christian. As those of you who've been around me long enough, you've probably heard this before. I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't a Christian. I hated Christians. I hated Jesus. I was doing my own thing, running amok in the world, pursuing my own desires, bound by drugs, bound by sex, bound by alcohol, living a wreck making a mess of life and the lives of those around me, especially my daughter. The day I went to end my life. The pills were going to my mouth to hear from behind me, today you'll live. And as I've been sick, I've been thinking about those words. Like he didn't have to intervene. He didn't have to step in. And just like he did in my life, the same in your life, he, didn't, he doesn't have to step in. He could let you continue to go the way you're going. And then in the end, dismiss you to an eternal hell. But that's not his will. His will is that none shall perish. So his desire is for you to know him. So he's constantly stepping in, revealing himself to you, drawing you away from evil so that you will do good. And I told you in those moments, as I was thinking about that day when I was on that couch and I was going to end my life, that the first thing I did was throw the pills down and my hands went over my head and I said, oh Jesus, like you're real. Like I've hated you my entire life. I hated you because you, 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 you were weak. You were nothing to me. I saw your people, your followers live however they live. And they didn't live for you. There was no power in your name. But in that moment, I found myself, my hands on my head, that, that fear of like, oh God, you're real. What have I been doing? And in that time, from that time, I began to pursue him. I didn't know him, but I began to pursue him. Like, oh, okay, you're real. So I began to keep a journal. And if I, if I gave you that journal to read, you would open up and begin to read and be like, whoever this man was is crazy. Because that journal, how, how, many of you, how many of you keep a journal? That's where you get real with yourself. That's where you get real with life, Right? That's where you write down all your emotions, your feelings, everything that you're going through. Well, that's what I was doing. I was so real. I was so transparent. The demons, the darkness, the light, everything. Just writing things down as I was experiencing these days. And then you find this journey of this man who started at this place and ends at a place in surrender, complete surrender. Christ Jesus, the very one I ran for my whole life. 
but yet such love and such a, a, a sweet surrender to him that God, I belong to you. Like I live for you now. I know what it's like to live for me. How many of you understand that concept? You know what it's like to live for you. You pursue yourself. You pursue your thoughts. You pursue your desires. And they keep just keeping you running amok like a hamster on a wheel that just keeps going and going nowhere. But there's something about a life in Christ. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about rules and laws and do's and don'ts. I'm talking about Jesus, you all. A life in Christ. Because that's what the Bible says. When you come to Jesus, your life now is in Christ. Your life now is growing and maturing to look more and more like Christ. To the world. To the lost. You can have compassion on people. You don't look down on the lost. You don't judge the lost. Because you were once there. You understand what it's like to be, to be blinded. To be darkened. But that's the church. If you're saying you are a believer, you need accountability. We are to judge each other's life. We're sitting in the church and we're saying we are the church. It's the only time that you judge. You hold each other accountable by the fruit that's in your life. That's not the way we're going because we're turning from evil and we're doing good. We're turning from evil, we're doing good. And this is the second part of the scripture. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Turn from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Listen, that word peace, Jesus says himself, peace I leave you, peace I give you. And if you've been around long enough, you've heard it preached, you should know this by now, that peace means wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That gave me such joy years ago when I found that understanding of that word. Like, God, I'm no longer broken. Like, God, I can live as someone who is whole, that I don't have to react, that I don't have to give in to my desires, I don't have to do just because to do. No, I can be whole. There's a peace. See, apart from Christ, we're all searching for something to make us whole. Rather it's relationships, rather it's drugs, rather it's sex, rather it's food, rather it's whatever. But you'll never find wholeness till you come to Christ. Because he's the author of life. He's the giver of life. The Bible says that he knows the plans that he has for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. But he loves us enough, you all, to say, if you don't love me, if you don't desire me, then go your way. The Bible says that the road to Christ, the road to life, the road to wholeness is very narrow. Not many people are walking on it. But the road to hell, the road to chaos, the road to craziness, the road to darkness is wide. Everyone's on it. Because we're born into sin. We live out of our flesh, but when you come to Christ, you are born again now. You're born of the Spirit of God. And so now you're living differently. When you do wrong, you're, you're quickly convicted. You go, oh, that's not how I should be living. And you go differently. 
Because you're turning from evil, you're turning to do good, you're looking and then you're searching for peace and you're working hard to maintain your peace. You can't take my peace from me. So many times we blame other people. Well, if they wouldn't have done this and they didn't do this, I wouldn't have responded this way. No, you're still at fault. It doesn't matter what, does, what someone does to you. You willingly give up your peace. And why would you give up your peace? Because you want to demand your rights. You want to be right. You want to be first. No. As a Christian, we have no rights. Because you're not living for self anymore. Remember the call of a disciple. Jesus says, come and follow me. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. We're to be servants now, you all. As Christians, we're to serve others. We're to love others. We're to give freely as we have received. So the peace that we have freely received, the peace we extend out. And if they don't receive it, if they don't accept it, it's okay. Move on. So many of us are stuck in a rut and stuck in our chaos because we just keep giving up our peace as if it's nothing. Oh, but you all, Jesus is everything. It's everything. The Bible says apart from him we can do nothing. But in Christ, we have all that we need to live a full life. Because the Bible says it's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus has come to give us life and life and abundance, no matter our circumstances, you all. And we as the church have got to start believing it. We just can't be head knowledge. No, it has to be a lifestyle. It's just who we are now. No matter what comes our way. Like we learn to be different. We learn to live differently. That's why church is so vital. To hold each other accountable. To encourage each other. To love each other. So that the world will see there's something different about us. Like, what is it that you all have? Because I want that. And if they don't see that, then what do we have? <laughs> Nothing. The Bible says, how would they know that we belong to him? By our love for one another. By our love for one another. So again, I want to encourage you. As I asked before, if you look at your days, if you look at this morning, and what evil are you still a part of? Gossiping, slander, backbiting, arguing, you know, perversion, lust, you know, self, selfish thinking, insecurities, all of that is evil. And we are to turn from it. It shouldn't be identifying us. We, we shouldn't be running towards it. But we should be turning from it and saying, no, in Christ there's a new way to live. And I want to seek that. The Bible says if you seek after him, you will find him if you seek him with your whole heart. With your whole heart. Like I'm reminded as I've been laying there sick, the goodness of God. The love of God. The desire to be pure. The desire to maintain peace. The desire for holiness. Not to be tainted by this world and seeking the things of this world. But no, I want you, Jesus. Like, you found me. Like, I live for you now. I don't want to live for myself. 
So as you're thinking about your life, as you're thinking about where you're at, if you're seeing things that aren't right, that, that go against what God has established that is good, then repent, turn from it. That's the good news. You don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to feel condemned. You don't have to be heavy burdened. No, throw off the sin that so easily entangles you and turn to Jesus. Ask for forgiveness. God, I'm sorry. And he's quick to forgive. He doesn't stand there with folded arms and say, look at you, look how filthy you are, look how dirty you are, look at all the bad and wrong you've done. No, he doesn't do that. His arms are open wide and he receives you. And he forgives you if, if, you're, if your asking is genuine. We've talked about this before. We can't be like a kid in the cookie jar where we get caught and go, oops, sorry. But then right the next minute, we're right back at it. See, he knows our heart. Like it's the genuine, like, oh God, that disgusts me. Like, I don't want to live that way. Like, God, help me. Like he's given us the Holy Spirit. He's empowered us with his spirit. So that's why we know that we don't do it in our own strength. To live in this life, this newness of life in Christ, is not done by our own power. It's not done by our own ability. Because when we try to do it in our own ability, it just becomes religion. And religious works will amount to nothing. So it's this relationship with Christ. It's the genuineness of, of your heart towards a loving Savior. That says, in and of me, I can't, but you can. In and of me, I can't, but you can through me. Because you've given me your Holy Spirit. You've given me the power to live. So we're without excuse because the Bible says he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. So we are without excuse. So what excuse have you been given for not living godly? Because it's of no use. There's no excuse because the Bible says he's given us everything. So if you see ungodliness in your life, if you see sin in your life, feel the conviction turned from it. And pursue God. The more you pursue Him, the more you seek Him, the more you will grow, the more you will mature, the more you will stop doing evil. So go to Galatians chapter 5, I mean chapter 1. <clears throat> it's good news, you all. <laughs> if it's not good to you, something's wrong. Something is wrong. This is good news. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 10. There's only one gospel. There's only one gospel, you all. And I've been warning you all for years. Be careful that you're staying and you're remaining in the true gospel. There's so many false gospels out there. So many false gospels out there that's giving you the right to yourself. And when you hear those gospels, they sound good. But you better run from them. We are warned time and time and time again in Scripture that in the last days, things are going to get worse. <laughs> People are going to be lovers of themselves. People are going to be rebellious. 
violence and wickedness and perversion is going to keep increasing. It's not getting any better, you all. It is only going to get worse in the world. It's going to grow darker. Deception is going to grow at such an alarming rate that people won't even know what truth is. The Bible says that people will turn to preachers that will just preach what they want to hear. Let me feel good about myself. That's all the messages I want to hear. Careful. When you hear the gospel preached, and it's not about Jesus. Careful when you hear gospels being preached, and they're talking about Jesus, but it doesn't line up with who Jesus really is. There's a lot of false messiahs. There's a lot of people using Jesus' name that aren't following Jesus. And Jesus himself knew that this would happen. So he's warned, he warns the church. So we have to be discerning, you all. We have to be discerning. I heard this, I hate to call him a preacher, but I'll call him a preacher. I heard this preacher the other day, and it's a well-known preacher. Has a lot of followers. Who says, when you hear that you have to deny yourself, it's of the devil. And I said, wow. They're a prosperity teacher. And it's all about motivation, motivating people to live this life now, the feel-good moment. Do for yourself, gain more for yourself. And I go, wow. And thousands of people are following. And there's other preachers who preach a gospel that is so far away from the true gospel. So we must be careful. The Bible warns you, discern the spirits. Just because someone is standing up preaching, you better go do your own work in the Word. You better go and you better make sure that that Word that's being spoken and preached lines up with the truth of God's Word. And if it doesn't, hold the man accountable. Like, just don't take for, for you're like, oh, okay, that's, that's, what, that's what it says. There's so many people quoting scriptures and saying things about God that's not even in the Bible. But because some man or woman said it on a platform, it must be true. Careful. Because the Bible warns us there's going to be these wolves that come in. They look like sheep. They look like Christians. But their desire is to enslave God's people to sin. You remember the Pharisees, the religious people of the time of Jesus? They were the religious people of the time. They knew God's word. They were leading God's people. Jesus shows up and they didn't even know the Messiah. The very one about whom they talked about, they didn't even know. In fact, they arranged for him to be killed. And the only time Jesus really became angry, you said, what, Jesus became angry? Oh, look what he did in the temple. When he walked in there and, and made a whip and just began to swipe it. 
turning over tables because they were making a mockery of God's house. Jesus is passionate about his kingdom and his purpose. The only time he talked rough is to religious people. He told those Pharisees, you, you are the children of the devil. You look good on the outside, but inside, you're filth. He had compassion for the lost. But he was really direct with those who held a form of religion, but denied the power of God. And that's why in the word of God, those are the people that we stay away from. People who say they are Christians, but don't live like one. Understand that, you all. I would rather you not tell me you're a Christian than pretend in front of me that you are. I'd rather you be real. Because God knows. God knows. God knows your heart. Remember all those people following Jesus? And as soon as he started telling them who he really was and where he was heading, they were like, oh, this is too hard. And they all left. He let them go. He knew their hearts. See, we got to stop playing games. Remember what I said earlier? you got to be transparent before God. Be transparent before others. As Christians, if you're a Christian and you're falling, you're entrapped, you're enslaved to sin, then get up. Get before God. Repent. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. Allow the Holy Spirit to grow you and to mature you. Get with Christians. Tell them what you're going through. But the problem is in church today, we all want to sit and be quiet. And then when, that, when, we, when other Christians do see something in your life that doesn't line up with truth, we get mad at them for saying something to us. What kind of craziness is that? Because as Christians, we're to be humble. We're to be servants. We're to be filled with joy and peace. We're to reflect Him to a dying world. And so there's one gospel, and Paul talks about this to the to church in Galatia. He writes this to them. Chapter 1, verse 6, I am six. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again, when we have said what we've said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Paul's writing to this church. What has happened to you all? You're following a different gospel. How quickly you've turned from Christ. How quickly you've gone back to your old ways. Oh, come back to Christ. These people who have been influencing your life, they have deliberately come in and they, they, they have their desire is to strip you and beat you down and make you burden. But Christ, you all, there's freedom. There's freedom. 
Don't let anyone preach a false gospel. Don't be even be influenced by angels. No. It's vital that we are following the true God, the God of the Bible, Jesus, you all. The fullness of who he is, the expression of, of his love and of his mercy, of his death, of his salvation, of his resurrection, of his power that transforms lives. Your life ought to be being lived differently now if you're following Christ. Go to Galatians 5, verse 13. For if you've been called to live, I'm sorry, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. I'm reminded of this again. We are in Christ. We are free people now, but in that freedom, we don't go back to our own desires. We don't go back and do what we want to do and just be like, oh, it doesn't matter. God doesn't care. No, he cares. There's a way in which we ought to be living. And look what it says there. We're to use our freedom now, this new life in Christ, to serve one another in love. How's your service? How are you loving others? Because it's important. If you're growing and you're maturing, it is important. Look at verse 16 through 25. These are verses we have read before. These are verses that you should know. But the main thing is that just because they've been read, just because you may have a knowledge, these should be verses that you are living. Because the word of God says not to be just a hearer of the word, but be a doer. Be a doer of the word. Let the word be richly implanted within you that it can't be snatched out, that it can't be choked out, but that it's taking root into your life and you're changing. People ought to see something different in you. We've read in scripture before that so you shouldn't remain the same. It says, if you're a thief, stop stealing. Work hard now and give to the needy. Scripture says, if you have foul, abusive speech, stop talking that way and start blessing. Start encouraging. Start building up people. Like there's a different way we ought to be living now. There's a different way that we're going. We're not to satisfy ourselves anymore. Because we're living for Christ. The old me, the old man who got up from that couch. I wasn't perfect and I'm not perfect today. I never will be perfect until I am with him. But until then, I'm growing. Could you imagine if I'm standing up here and I'm preaching the word of God and I was still that man on the couch? You would see no difference. <clears throat> you would see no difference. Because when I got off of that couch, I still lived how I wanted to live. There were certain things in me over the weeks as I'm journaling that began to change. I mean, there's one part when I was reading, and I kind of, <laughs> I remember that. It was the first night I went to a bar. And when I used to walk into the bar, I used to go to the back part of the bar, and my bartender would have all my shots lined up for me. And then my glasses there ready for me to drink. It was just a common thing. That's what I always did. But that night as I walked in, I'm like, oh, don't, don't pour all of them. And she had already began. So I, had to, I bought them to give to everyone else so they wouldn't be wasted. But they were all looking at me going, um, I said, I'll just take a coffee. And they 
And I said, well, you know, I'm searching for, searching for God, you know, and, and I just really feel that, you know, that drinking is just not the man I'm becoming. And, you know, I was just talking, talking about Jesus, and they were all like, and everyone kind of went their way. They took their shots, and I'm left, I'm left by myself. So I took my coffee, and I sat down. And then I remember sitting at that table as I'm, as I'm reading my journal. I was like, it was the loneliest part in my life. That night was probably one of the loneliest times I felt in my life. Because no one knew what to do with me. <laughs> and no one was happy that my life was changing. Isn't that crazy? That everyone else around me had a lot of friends. had a lot of people around me that I associated with. But when I started to pursue doing good, all of a sudden, I was by myself. I want y'all to think about that. I want y'all to hear this. They didn't mind. All those people around me never minded when I was broken, when I was drunk, when I was just sleeping around, when I was just doing crazy things, when I was just acting out, out of anger, whatever. It didn't matter. Not one of them ever encouraged me to live. Why? Because they themselves aren't living. Sin is fun, you all. Darkness is fun. I reminded of my, even my speech in those days. I used to be quick on my mouth. I used to be a man with an attitude and I could tear you down and slice you down and make you feel horrible about yourself. Yeah. And now I would look at you and I'd be like, huh, quick. Because it's the only way I knew how to defend myself. And I would do it in front of people so that others would see just how pathetic and miserable you are. And I remember one night I went to speak and it's like the Holy Spirit grabbed my tongue. I just had to bow away, bow down and turn back away. Oh God, I wanted to. My everything within me just was like, ah. But I remember the Holy Spirit ministering to me, saying, <coughs> You're no longer that man. So people began to see a difference. I know I'm, I'm, I'm just being real today. Because I've been down. I've been sick. I've been thinking a lot. And you may say, oh, you shouldn't share this. I'm going to share it anyways. Some of you already know it. <laughs> oh, there was one person <coughs> many of years ago that I just wanted them sexually. I wanted to be with that person like there was none tomorrow. But that person was with someone else all the time. And one night while I was sitting in the bar having my coffee, someone came to me and said, they want to talk to you. Huh. And I remember thinking, oh, What am I to do? But I was like, wow, well, I've waited for a long time. 
God, I'm going to put you aside for a second. And I went. But the crazy thing is, when, the time, when it came time to do the deed, nothing worked. Of all my craziness and running around and times and sleeping with so many different people, in so many different ways, nothing worked. Nothing. They threw me a couple of dollars and sent me home on, in a cab. And that was the longest ride home. Going, what on earth is happening? Here's the dream person I've always wanted. And I couldn't even perform. I couldn't even get into it. And I said, God, thank you. God, thank you. Because if things would have gone the way I would at that time thought they would have gone, I probably wouldn't be standing here today. All through these times of, 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 of all these years, 20 some odd years of walking with Christ, like he's developing me, he's changing me. I can look back over this and go, it's only God, I only live. The only reason why I'm standing here today is because of God. In and of myself, in and of myself, <coughs> if I was living who I used to be, the only people I would probably even associate with or even to have anything to do with would probably be my family and probably Norma if I met her. She was still the old Norma. <laughs> Everyone else, I could care less. I wouldn't care. I would just be out for me. I would think I was better than you. <clears throat> but I'm trying to encourage you all. If you're not changing, if your life is not changing, it's not going to be drastically overnight, but you should see growth in your life. As a, if, you're calling your, if you're not a Christian, then yeah, you're not going to grow. You're going to keep doing what you want to do. But if you're sitting here today and you're calling yourself a Christian, then you need to start living like one. Because there should be some type of growth in your life. You're going to go through loneliness. You're going to go through where people don't understand you. You're going to go through all of that because of what Christ went through. He said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. The world's not going to understand what you're doing and the transformation that's taking place in your life. No matter how hard you want to tell them, you can share with them. And you ought to be sharing what God is doing in your life. But you, I, tell you, I told you this before, the reason why the majority of you aren't sharing is because you're not living. Because how are you going to tell me about your Jesus when you're no different than me? How are you going to tell me you go to church and you love Jesus and you're no different than me? I don't see nothing different in you. That's why we don't share. But start changing. Start allowing the Holy Spirit to change your life. Start allowing Him to transform you. Start talking because then they can't deny it. Well, no, there is something different about you. Oh, but now she all thinks she's holy and everything now. Then they start attacking you. But they're not attacking you. They're attacking Christ in you. That's right. So you just keep going. You don't get angry. You love them. You serve them. You live like a Christian ought to be living. 
You do things that are good now because you're turning from evil. And so we find in these scriptures here, chapter 5, Five of Galatians, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful (coughs) pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, um, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're living out of your, your, your sinful nature, if you're just doing what you want to do and living how you want to live, you're not a Christian. You're not inheriting the kingdom of God. If that is your lifestyle, if that is marking you of who you are, then don't be deceived. Because remember what I told you, you can't keep living the way you want to live and say you're of Christ because then you're just making a liar of who he is. Jesus even warns and has said about those religious leaders, you travel far to win converts, but yet you make them twice as much the son of hell as you are. Wow, Jesus. Same thing with us. Oh, we could talk about Jesus. We could talk about God. But if there's no change in our lives, if we're not pursuing holiness, if we're not pursuing God, then the people who are following us are falling straight to hell. Come on, you all. This isn't a popular message, and if you've been around here long enough, it's probably never popular. Some people come, some people go, some people's up, some people's down. Some people don't want to hear it, so they never come back. But I love you enough, just as Christ loves you, to let you do and be whoever you want. Go run amok in this life if you want. That is your choice. But the door is always open when you want to come back. But I'm not going to stop preaching Jesus. Because that's all we have. If you're going to be around here, I'm going to encourage you to keep denying yourself and grow up like a Christian. Grow up. Yeah, you want the things of the world? Fine, go get them. But don't deceive yourself. Because a Christian ought to be living like the next verses describe. We read in those verses there that the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. But what you feed breeds. If you just keep living out of the flesh, that's all you're going to know is the flesh. But those who've been around here long enough, answer this question. What does the flesh know to do? Die. All of you said it that have been around here. 
And isn't that interesting? You know it. But has it really impacted your life? Because listen, you all, the flesh, that part of you that lives before you come to Christ, because we're all born into sin, that part of you that craves its own desires and doing and living however it wants to live, full of anger, full of hurt. Listen, I've been abused as a child. I had a rough childhood. I know what it's like to be bound by insecurities. I know what it's like to go hungry. I know what it's like not to feel love and would pursue anyone who would just love me. That's why I gave my body to whoever would give their body to me just to feel love. Because when you're in a sexual abuse, when you're sexually abused, that's all you know to do. For many years, that's how I lived. So I understand the constant torment and the struggle and the pain that goes along with abuse. I was in a very abusive relationship where I got my butt beaten every single night. So I know what it's like to be broken. I know what it's like just to pursue someone to love me. Just give me. I know what it's like to pursue the drugs, the drinking. To just to pursue whatever just to feel whole. But it wasn't until Jesus stepped in and said, today you'll live. Come this way. Follow me. And the very one I hated became the very one that I loved. Because he first loved me. And the same with you all. He loves you right where you're at. The Bible says he loves us, yet there were complete rebellion towards him. He loves you. And you're not going to find that wholeness until you come to Christ and you completely surrender your life. It's not just a one-time prayer. No, it's an everyday understanding that my life now is for Christ. Listen, I could get up and live in my flesh if I wanted to. Because like the scripture says, the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. Oh, I could go right back out and live however I want to live. I could go lay down with everyone and anyone that would lay down with me. I could go back to the drugs. I can go back to the I can go back to the filthiness. I can go back to being full of anger and, 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 and wanting to hurt people and, and wanting to just to just destroy you with my mouth and talk down about you and just do whatever I want. But I already know the benefits of that life. It leads to death. There's nothing good in it. So if you can answer that question when I say, what does the flesh know to do? And you say, die, then I would ask you, are you still bound by your flesh? Because why would you want death? Why would you be choosing death every day? A separation from God for eternity, you all. I know we don't like to talk about hell, but Jesus does. <laughs> Why would you choose the constant workings of the flesh? Well, they feel good in the moment, but do you realize where it's leading you? Why is it so hard to do good? We've talked about this here before. Think about that. If you go... I want you to try that this week. And all the kids, or you're all not kids anymore, but a lot of you are grown up now. Do you remember years ago, Roma, since you're standing? <laughs> Do you remember? Stand up. Standing up. Remember? Put your hands down. 
Put your hands down. Remember? We're going to learn to have self-control. Oh control the flame. Remember that, right? <laughs> remember how we used to always practice this? And he can't move now. You can't day. move. Don't itch. Don't move. But just stand. And it's the most craziest thing. If you all remember, you all started twerking and twitching and scratching and everything else. It was hard. We were children. It was a simple thing to learn. But even as adults, if I had the adults, if I had you all stand up and do the same thing, you, your mind will be over here. You're, you're, all of a sudden you have an itch. Oh, you know, i got to sit down. All of a sudden. So it's the same thing in life. Like the next time you want to curse someone out, don't. And see how much your flesh is like, oh. The next time you want to put your thing, your hands are something that you shouldn't be touching. Try not to touch it. The next time you start thinking dirty thoughts, start trying to think good thoughts and find how hard it is. Listen, the Bible, that's why it's so, this is the living word. This isn't just some old book. This is the living word. You keep doing, you keep putting it into practice. You keep saying, in and of myself, I would just live in my flesh, but I have the Holy Spirit. So if I have the Holy Spirit, I can do good. I don't have to talk that way. I don't have to go that way. I don't have to keep hurting these people. I don't have to keep trying to make me look better. No, God, I can learn how to live a life that is pleasing to God because Christ is in me. I'm in Christ. It shouldn't be hard to do good, but we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. But the more that you do good, the newness of that life would come out. And it wouldn't, it's not harder anymore. It's not harder anymore. I'll pretty soon you'll wake up one day and you'll be like, well, I don't, I'm not cursing anymore. And I'm not yelling anymore. I'm not throwing things anymore. Like I'm not desiring to go and, and just do myself anymore. Wow, this is different. And you don't get the credit. God gets the credit. Because in and of yourself, you would not transform. <clears throat> because listen to what it says here. Verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And listen to verse 24. This is a verse that we've heard so many times before. Those who belong to, G to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions of their desires of their sinful nature to his cross and have crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, not by the flesh any longer, if you're a Christian, now let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Ask Him, how am I to live now? How am I to respond now? What am I to do with all the pain and the hurt? Because that was a big question I had for Jesus. What do I do with all the pain and the hurt? Give it to me, Rob. Trust me to heal every pain and every hurt. If you go to chapter 6, verse 14. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. We talked about this verse a lot last year. See, as a believer, as a Christian, the cross of Christ, you look to, you nail those old desires. That's The old man is on the cross. But because of his resurrection, because Jesus rose from the dead, we have the hope of the power to be transformed. Now the man and the men and the women that we are becoming, the people that we are becoming, are is, 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 is now bound to the resurrection of Christ. The old things are passing away. Behold, new things are coming forth because we're no longer there. We're here and we're constantly moving forward. We're constantly moving forward. We're constantly growing and maturing. Even when we slip up, even when we fail, even when we desire to go back to the things of the flesh, we can get up, we can repent, we can turn, and we can move forward. The question today is, are you moving forward? In 2018, don't keep living like you've lived in the past. Move forward. This is the good news that we have, you all. Go back to Psalm 34. That's where I'm ending. This is the good news, you all. We want to be a church where people can come, rather they're saved or unsaved. We want the unsaved to hear the truth in hopes that they would come to Christ. We want the saved to come so they continue to be encouraged, so they can develop fellowship and friendship and accountability, where truth is being upheld, the truth that is Christ, that we're not afraid to be held accountable, that we would hear truth and hope that we would respond to it. And I want to close up because I and I want to close. I want you to hear the, the whole psalm. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Listen, if you start cultivating that in your life a lifestyle of worship. You won't keep looking for the things of this world to define you. He says, I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come tell us, I'm sorry, come let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Are you telling others about his greatness? I don't care what age you are. I worry so much about the youth today. Because they, you all are bombarded with so much every day of your life. Every day of your life. There's such brokenness in, our, in the youth today. But I want you all to know that Jesus loves you. And his desire is that you would come to him. That you don't have to go the way of your parents. You don't have to go the way of those who have gone before you. You don't have to get enslaved to the filth of this world. No, you can live a righteous life in Christ, even at a young age. 
And I'm always so impressed when I meet youth that are living righteously. Because I'm like, God, keep them. I'm so impressed because everything is against them. But they say no to the things of this world. And they're pursuing God. That is my hope not only for the youth sitting in this room today, but the adults. These youth are looking up to us. And if they don't see a difference in your life, don't expect a difference in theirs. I'm always fascinated by parents and people who are raising children who are so quick to come down on them, but as soon as you come down on them, you act just like them. And that's craziness. You're telling them, do good, do good, do right, and they see nothing but craziness in your life. Come on. We've got to stop it. But I tell your kids something. Just because maybe your parents or your grandparents or people in your life aren't doing right doesn't mean that you get all free by not doing right. You ought to do right. You do right. You be the only one in your house doing right. And pray for them. Listen, we got to start being real, you are. Time is growing darker. I'm like, wow. People are being snuffed out left and right. The enemy is advancing. But the Bible says that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. So take your place as Christians in the darkness of this world and stand up and be the light. Tell others of his greatness. Verse 4, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me, listen to this, from all of my fears. It's the only freedom you can find from your fears is in Christ. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live I'm sorry, does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil, and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person turns face, I'm sorry, the righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous, not one of them is broken. 
Calamity will surely overtake the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. This is the hope that we have, you all, in Christ. He is a loving father. He knows the plans that he has for you. The gospel is not popular. Those who are lost in the world are not running to Jesus, you all. The question is, what about you? What about you? Have you come to Christ? Do you love him with your whole heart? Are you searching for him? When the very breath felt like it was being choked out of me over these past couple months, and even now just pushing through this, I'm feeling really weak. One thing I know, and the assurance that I have, is that this body drops dead right now, I will be in the presence of my King, of the one that in whom I love, the one in whom I've given my life to, the one that I've placed all my hope and trust in. And that's my desire for you all, that you all would know Him that way. That you all will seek after him and pursue him. That your lives will be transformed. That you will go out and do good. That you will go out and you will serve others. That you will go out and that you would stand in the midst of darkness and be the light. Why there's so many lighthouses around here? Because it's a reminder. It's how I'm to be living. It's how you're to be living. You're to be the light for those who are lost. Be able to come and ask you, there's something different about you. And you can tell them about Jesus. I want to end with this story. It spoke to me back on January 9th. It's one of my favorite devotionals. But pay attention to this. Late one night, a surgeon was awakened by another doctor calling to ask if he could come to the hospital to operate on a young boy because no one else in town could perform the surgery. The surgeon, of course, agreed, quickly got dressed and started towards the hospital. Several blocks down the street while he was waiting for a traffic light to change, a desperate-looking man in a brown leather jacket with a cap pulled down almost over his eyes and holding a revolver suddenly opened the car door and demanded that the surgeon get out. The surgeon pleaded with the man, I've got to have the car. It's an emergency. But the other man insisted he needed the car instead, jerked the surgeon out, and drove off, leaving the surgeon in the street. By the time the surgeon arrived at the hospital, the other doctors were waiting at the curb to tell him the boy had died. The surgeon tried to explain the delay, and the other doctor said, I know you tried to get here, and his parents know that too. They will want to speak to you. The surgeon went into the waiting room to meet the dead boy's parents. The boy's mother sat crying, and beside her sat the boy's father, wearing a brown leather jacket and a cap pulled down almost over his eyes. The man had shoved out of his life the only person who could have saved his son. And with that action, he threw away his child's life. Though our choices probably won't be as dramatic as in this story, 
Every day we have the opportunity to change lives for the better or to shove those around us out of our lives. And the choices we make, whether we realize it or not, determine our legacy. And usually it's the overall cultivated effects of the smaller everyday choices that have a profound impact on the lives of our children and others. Our words, our demeanor, our response to adversity, and our priorities all repeatedly convey to our children and others around us our perception of their value. We send clear messages to them about how to deal with adversity, disappointment, and challenges. And in those messages, we tell them whether their lives are wonderful or a wonderful occasion to rise to. And most likely, our legacies will be determined by the way these others turn out. Tell them, show them that their life is an occasion. Rise to it. Are you rising up every morning? Your life has value, no matter where you've been, what you've done, who you are. Don't push out the only one that can come into your life to heal you. Don't push out the only one that can not only come into your life to heal you, but that can come into others and heal them. Because of your dramatic, your, your drastic choices, your, your decisions that you're making, no matter what your age is. Like, your, your, your choices are in affecting others. And if you're sitting here today and you are a Christian, then I plead with you, live like Live like one. And if you're not a Christian, I would plead with you today, come to Christ. Come to Christ. Accept Him. Surrender your life. Be baptized. Be discipled. Grow into Christ. A lot of you who, who are Christians that keep running back to your old ways is because you're not being discipled. You're not growing. And so you're no different than the lost. In fact, Jesus himself says, I would rather you be cold or hot, not lukewarm. Because I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Those are Jesus' words. He's not some guru, you know, hippie, you know, hugs and muffins, you know. No, he's God. <coughs> He's full of love, he's full of compassion, but he's also just. He's also a God of wrath. In fact, we know that his wrath is being held back, giving us time to repent, to turn to him. But there's a day of coming as the world is growing darker and darker, that it'll be the appointed time that his wrath shall hit this place. And those who are in Christ have hope. Those who aren't, what hope is there? I'm going to play this last song, and I want you to hear, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit bringing conviction that's needed. And for you all to respond as you need to respond. Over these past months that I've laid around, you know, really battling through the sickness, I had to do a lot of my own repenting. A lot of own, own soul searching and going, oh God, no, this in my life isn't good. 
Like, God, I want to love you more. I love you, but I want to even love you more. Like, God, there's work to be done. So I don't know. You all know where you're at. You know what you're going through. You know all your issues. So does he. So stop turning from him. Come to him. Come to him. Turn from evil and start doing good. Pursue peace and work to maintain it. Leave this place today hoping in Christ. I'm going to play this song and then I'll close this in prayer. Fortress. Fortress. Great is his faithfulness. 